Hello, and thank you for joining the second season of Title Nerds, presented by the law firm of Riker Danzig. Each episode features one or more of Riker Danzig's thought leaders in the title insurance law space, discussing current legal trends and issues of significance. Please remember that nothing shared on today's podcast should be considered legal advice in any particular matter. Now let's welcome Michael O'Donnell, Riker Danzig's co-managing partner, and partner Bethany Abley to kick off our podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the final episode of Title Nerd Season 2 for 2023. My co-host, Bethany Abley, unfortunately had a family emergency, so you just have me for this last session. So if it's not as scintillating as our prior sessions, you can blame me. But we have a very special guest, Anton Tonev, who runs a company called Inspect HOA. We're excited to have him. And Anton, why don't you give us a little background about yourself and also about what Inspect HOA is, what it does, and what brought you to decide to get into this business? Thank you, Michael, and thank you for having me. I started my career in the investment industry on the trading floor of Morgan Stanley. I spent a couple of years there, and then I moved to AQR Capital, which is one of the largest systematic asset managers. And my responsibility there was to build investment strategies using statistics, mathematics, financial knowledge. And it was really about making sense of a very noisy process or a very noisy data set. And in 2016, I was buying my apartment in Stamford, Connecticut. And it was the first time I heard about HOAs and the fact that they want $350 from me every month. And on top of that, they had some rules and regulations that I need to understand and then make sure that I follow. I turned left to the person sitting next to me at work and I asked him, like, what are these HOAs and what do I need to do about them? He didn't give me great answers, but I was very lucky to know somebody that already lived in that community. I got all the documents on time. I did my due diligence and I have been very happy with my HOA ever since. On the other hand, the guy sitting next to me, he didn't do his due diligence. His HOA fees increased from $600 a month to $1,000 a month over the course of 12 months. And then we started thinking, if we're having troubles understanding our HOAs, maybe others are having troubles understanding their HOAs as well. And then we were like, why don't we start a side business or a side hustle helping people understand their HOAs? Not many people realize that HOAs are the second largest expense around owning a home after your mortgage. You do a home inspection, why don't you do an HOA inspection, thus inspect HOA? We quickly realized that, one, we don't want to be selling to consumers who are buying properties once every five years or 10 years. And two, if you were selling to buyers, we would need to spend a lot of time on social media and a lot of money on social media. And that just didn't fit us as, as partners. So then we started thinking, who are the businesses out there that are dealing with HOAs every day and they have troubles dealing with HOAs? And we quickly realized that it's attorneys, title and escrow, lenders. Every time there is a transaction, if there is an HOA, you need to do certain things no matter if you're an escrow officer or an attorney, depending on the state and the regulation. So that was two, three years ago. And since then, 
we've really tried to build Inspect HOA into this central system that helps all real estate players interact with HOAs, get everything they need from HOAs on time, and make sure nobody has to deal with HOAs but us. All right. So, and I know you have a platform and your website is inspecthoa.com. Tell us how that works. How does one use your platform and what do they get out of it when they use the platform? So let's say you're an attorney in one of the attorney states like South Carolina or Georgia. You're working on a transaction and there is an HOA. Now you need to figure out how do I get in touch with that HOA? How do I acquire all the documents that I need to make sure that the seller is current on their fees, that there are no special assessments, that the seller wasn't fined $20,000 yesterday for something? So you come to our platform, you key in an address and a deadline, and that's all we need. You don't even have to tell us that there is an HOA. We'll do all that for you. So you give us an address and a deadline. We'll first try to figure out if there is an HOA, because in the US, there are 400,000 HOAs. There's no central database where you just put in an address and know if there is an HOA and how to get in touch with them. Sellers often don't know that they have two HOAs or that the property manager managing the HOA just changed last month. So even figuring out how to get in touch with these HOAs is problematic, but we help you with that. We get all the documents from the HOA, which are usually tens or hundreds of pages long. We run them through our technology and we extract all the useful information that an attorney, a buyer, an escrow officer, a lender might care about. How much are the fees? How often you have to pay them? Is leasing allowed in this HOA? How much am I supposed to pay the HOA or the property manager at closing? All this information lives in very lengthy PDFs. And for some reason, all HOAs decided to use a different format. So what we do is we extract that information from the documents and we show it to our customers in a very easy to understand dashboard. And what this does is first, it saves them the troubles of dealing with HOAs. And second, it makes every single HOA in the country look exactly the same to our customers. How do you go about determining if a property is subject to an HOA? So to the best of our knowledge, we have the largest HOA database in the country. And in our database, we have around 150,000 HOAs. And trust me, we didn't start this business with the idea to build a database. We explored options that are out there and all of them had a lot of holes. So then we started collecting the data ourselves. There are certain tricks that you can apply, log into different county websites, see if there are any corporations or kind of non-profit entities that are incorporated in different places and find your way to figure out if there is an HOA. It's not a very easy task, but I think we've gotten very good at it. So if you work with us, we commit to you that within two hours, we're going to tell you if there is an HOA and how do you get in touch with them. And how long does it take to get the summary information, the, the pertinent information that any buyer would need to know? So if you ask our clients before they started working with us, it used to take them 12 to 14 days. With us, it takes them six days, and this is our average nationwide. We are sometimes at the mercy of the HOA, and sometimes the president of the HOA is a lawyer, and they have a big case on Friday, and they cannot do anything about it but work on our file next week. So we do our best to get it as quickly as possible. Our turnaround time is six days. The moment we get the documents, it's all technology. So within 10 minutes, our customers will have everything that they need. And I think I heard you said you're in 30 states now? All states, nationwide. So you're in all states. So you, you yeah. cover everything nationwide. Good, mm -hmm. good. 
Can you give us any war stories about the process and dealing with HOAs? Yeah, I think a couple of interesting stories. When we were just starting, there was one of our clients. She was a buyer. She was buying her new apartment. And somehow she ended up hearing about us. And she ordered our services on our website. And we extracted all the useful information from these documents and we shared it with her. And it turned out that this HOA does not allow any pets. And she told us, I have a cat and it's part of my family. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even know that I cannot have my cat. So actually she didn't go through with the transaction. And she had no one else to help her with that because HOAs, again, hundreds of pages, nobody can find their way around them. So that's one cool story where very, very early we figured out that, yes, there is something that we can bring to, to the market. Usually other war stories have to do with some of these rules and regulations that HOAs want to enforce. And I think HOAs are by nature very good and they do a great job. You may know that last few years, there's a lot of people and institutions buying properties to lease them out. Around 20 or 30% of HOAs actually don't allow you to lease out a property that you own. And we've had several cases where we're working with an investor. We acquire all the documents on their behalf. We extract the information and we see that leasing is allowed. They buy the property and then the HOA tells them, no, 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 leasing is not allowed. And we're like, what do you mean? You gave us these documents. And they're like, oh, sorry, our bad. We forgot to include the latest amendment. And in the latest amendment, leasing is not allowed. So in these cases, we work with the HOA, we work with our customers and sometimes third-party attorneys to figure out if our customers can be grandfathered in. So lots of war stories like that, all of them around being hard to figure out how to get in touch with the HOA or understand that HOA and all the rules and regulations that you need to abide by. Now, how long have you guys been in business? Three and a half years now. And you also deal with not just people looking to buy properties, lenders as well? Lenders, attorneys, title and escrow. Yeah. How do you interface with the lenders? Is there any different any different at all or just the very similar, similar process? Very similar. The process is very similar, but lenders care about different data points. If you're a lender and you want to sell a loan to Fannie and Freddie and there is an HOA, you need to make sure that this HOA satisfies around 40 different criteria. And if it doesn't, Fannie and Freddie are not going to buy this loan from you. So what you need to do is reach out to the association, get the documents, extract the information, and perform this review to make sure that you can sell that to Fannie and Freddie. So we help them with all that. We get the documents, we extract the information, and we tell them, yes, Fannie and Freddie are going to buy it, or no, Fannie and Freddie are not going to buy it. So, so that's not consistent with your business model. And how do you interface with title companies? What are title companies looking So title and escrow officer is usually somebody that we work with a lot. They need to reach out to the HOA, acquire all the documents. For some reason, they're called different things in different states, resale certificate, estoppel, demand letter, status letter. But basically, you can think of this as a five pages invoice, which shows you if the seller is current on their dues, if they've paid everything, that there are no violations, no special assessments. And at closing, the escrow officer uses all this information to tell the buyer, you need to pay X amount of dollars to the HOA and Y amount of dollars to the property manager and things like that. Because if the transaction goes through and the escrow officer didn't take care of this, now the buyer would be liable for all the things that the seller was owing to the HOA. So it's very crucial to get this right. 
Okay. Anything else you want to add about Inspect HOA, Anton, or tell our listeners? I want to tell your listeners and our listeners that we really think real estate transactions will become faster and faster. Nowadays, I think it takes 45 days to close a transaction, maybe 60 days. We really think that with the technology that we're seeing nowadays, soon maybe these transactions will be taking two weeks or maybe two days. And there's a lot of manual work that can be automated that was almost impossible to automate in the 90s or, or I don't know, last decade. So I would encourage everyone to look for ways to become more productive, to become more efficient, to minimize errors and mistakes, because I think there are solutions out there that help you be better at what you do, help you differentiate yourself, help you get market share, even in a tough market environment. And that's what we've seen from some of our customers. So just be open. I think the world is changing and faster than we realize. And I think real estate is going to be disrupted. And can I ask if you know, how many closings do you think you help a year or annually? We do several thousand a month. So multiply that by 12. Wow. And this is all within the space of three and a half years. Yeah. That's quite impressive. I'm very happy. Well, I thank you for your time. And it was great having you on Title Nerds. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And with that, I'm going to introduce Tom Persico. And Tom is... I came to Riker Danzig in 1989, and I've been waiting for uh, someone like Tom to come since that time, not because of anything special about his legal abilities, but like me, he is a Marine and just came to us a month ago after serving three years in the Marines as a JAG officer, Tom. Did I get that right? Yeah, I commissioned in 2017. I was in Quantico and Newport for a year, and then I was on Camp Lejeune for three years. All right. And Tom has chosen a case that coincidentally also deals with homeowners associations, but in a tangential basis. And the case is WW3V Bank of Mellon. And Tom, just tell us a little bit about the facts of this case and what went on below, if you could, please. Sure. So in 2006, a couple, the Warrens in Georgia, they decided to refinance their mortgage. They did so with Novastar Mortgage, Inc., and subsequently conveyed a security deed to that nominee. The security deed was executed in Gwinnett County, Georgia. That's where this case takes place and was executed by the Warrens and notarized. However, the issue here is that it was not signed. From there, Bank of New York Mellon was assigned the security deed in 2010 after the Warrens decided to refinance their mortgage. However, five years after, WW3 Ventures comes into play and successfully bids on the Warren's home after the Homeowners Association secured a judgment against them for 13500 Because there's two other actors at play here, a quiet title action ensued after WW3 became aware of the Bank of New York Mellon's security interest or interest in the property. From here, the trial court appointed a special master to hear the matter and dig into the facts and see what was going on. Essentially, the special master held that the security deed was defective due to that missing signature I mentioned a few seconds ago. However, because WW3, the later party that came into this fact pattern, had constructive notice of the security deed, and the constructive notice is based on it being cross-referenced in the 2010 assignment, the trial court and the special master decided that because of that, that New York Mellon security deed was valid was a valid lien on the property and therefore ruled in favor of the Bank of New York Mellon. And 
this goes up to the Georgia Court of Appeals, right? Right. And what happens at the Georgia Court of Appeals? So on appeal, WW3 contended that the trial court made a mistake when awarding the title to the Bank of New York Mellon because the defective security deed does not in itself provide constructive notice or inquiry notice. And that's the key fact here. They were alleging that neither constructive notice nor inquiry notice could be found in this case. However, the court decided that WW3 was under inquiry notice. And just because Georgia state law says that a defective deed does not imply or relate to constructive notice, there was, in fact, inquiry notice in this case. All right. And I think it was interesting, Tom, the, the trial court also went out of its way to say that WW3 Ventures did not do a title search, which often happens in cases where you have foreclosure or judgment sale. People come in and bid, and they bid sort of blind. And the trial court basically said, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, a title search was pretty much an important part of any due diligence in acquiring a property. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And I think that's interesting as it relates to your, your previous conversation a few minutes ago when it comes to due diligence. WW3 failed to do that due diligence. And because of that, the court found that although constructive notice legally is not present here, inquiry notice was. And if they did do their due diligence, they would have seen Bank of New York Mellon's interest and therefore they're at a loss here. Right. And I also found it interesting that Tom's only been with us for a month, so we certainly don't expect him to be the title nerd that most of my team is and that I am. But I've seen a lot of cases sort of going, particularly in the bankruptcy context, the other way when a deed's clearly on file or a mortgage, security deed is a mortgage, and it's defective in some way. And the court just says that's not notice and you, bank or property owner, lose even though the instrument is filed of record and would have been picked up. And in this case, the Georgia Court of Appeals basically said, look, if you see it of record and it raises a question, you got to inquire. That's sort of what I took away from the case. Is that what you took away, Tom, or is there something else you can tell our listeners that they should take away? I took that same takeaway that you did. However, I, like you said, coming to... The title insurance field is something I didn't practice when I was in the Marine Corps. So every day I'm learning something new. What was interesting for me is just the difference between constructive notice and inquiry notice. It brings me back to law school and, and learning all about property property law. But yeah, this case was interesting to me as a newcomer because it highlighted how small deficiencies along the way can really create serious injury for the rights of a bank or, or an individual homeowner down the line. That's a great point. And with that, I am going to end the sixth episode of Title Nerds, and we're going to wish everyone a happy holidays, and we look forward to our third season in 2024. Thank you all. Thank you for listening today to Title Nerds, presented by Riker Danzig. If you like this show, please remember to subscribe to this podcast on your preferred podcast app, and be sure to rate us five stars. You may also wish to subscribe to our blog and visit our website at Riker.com. We hope you will join us again for another episode of Title Nerds.